episode of Turnstiles and Tribulations. We're back once again, and today we're going to be discussing the away game against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge that happened today. It's been a busy weekend of football with a lot of good results uh, all over the league. So Chris and I are here, and we're gonna we're gonna chat about that. Chris, I'm uh, I'm feeling pretty good, mate. How are you feeling? Couldn't be more positive. I think is the uh, is the is the takeaway from this one. You know, very happy again, as it always seems to be when we record at the moment. Always seems to be recording <laughs> on the back of a win, so we uh, we're doing something special there. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Like the the team are they pulled their socks up in perfect time for our podcast, which is just marvelous. Big big fans of that. So um, yeah, let's let's get to talking about the game because I, I'm itching to talk about this now. I've, I'm really excited. Uh, we're a few hours out of all of the fixtures from today. So it's, yeah, Arsenal 1, Chelsea 0. Arsenal go back to the top of the league after 13 games played. 34 points, is it? And I'm, I'm, on, I'm on cloud nine. Honestly, we're, I've put off all that talk and the, the thoughts and feelings, but I'm excited now, mate. I'm excited now. Um, are you, are what, you now... Are you now starting to believe, or do you, not believe, but do you now want to start talking about the fact that we might be in a title race here? No, I would still say, <laughs> okay. because, no, save that to only, yeah, basically it's that, it's exactly that. It's, we've got this weird curveball that we've never, ever had before. And we have no idea what our starting 11 is going to look like come Boxing Day. We hope and pray that all of our players who go to the World Cup come back fit, healthy, happy and reintegrate back into that feeling. Because, you know, if you have a, for instance, if any of our players are in a, the final and lose in horrendous circumstances, they're going to be down about that. It's going to be hard for them to just pitch up back to Colney and be like, oh, yeah, buzzing. Um, so there is a lot that can go on away from you know having this break so I think for me it's a case of when we maybe have uh, middle of January mid to late January and we've had three four five games and we see how we've picked back up after the World Cup then uh, I'm more than happy to open that discussion don't get me wrong mate I'm just you can see me because of the video but it's all happening in there, I'm just I refuse, I refuse to put it out here. Um, yeah. So uh, I just yeah I just because I there's been obviously uh, I suppose we're digressing before actually getting into the game. The whole celebration police rubbish. You know, hopefully Richard Keys had a stroke today watching Arsenal enjoy the end of that game. Um, I'm enjoying it and I'm loving where we're at and I'm reveling in the fact that we are playing this well and we're as high in the league as we are right now don't even, I, absolutely I'm all over that and I will reflect that in in how we talk but yeah the whole winning a title that for me was still still only a third of the season not even you kind of done. don't want to get don't want to get ahead of ourselves just yet or you don't want to certainly I'm I'm sort of feeling like the train is at the station the title train and um, <laughs> my bags are packed. They're in my hand, and um, I'm I'm ready to step foot on that train. 
Um, I, I want to get I want to get involved, and I want to I want to enjoy the. I guess it's a month, isn't it, where we don't play. I want to enjoy that month with the anticipation that when we come back, we're going to be um, vying for the title with with Man City. That's that's my mentality at the moment. Um, it yep. was before this game, and it and it stays the the same after this game. I'm yeah. I, I'm fully in. I'm, I believe I'm going to be disappointed if we don't. I know it. Yeah, I know. That's why. I, that's kind of why I'm in the position of I don't want to vocally believe. <laughs> so we'll, <laughs> we'll leave it there. I don't. I we'll talk about it in this game, like kind of how I feel. Like I, I am a superstitious person. I, I, all that kind of stuff. So um, let's talk about the game and I do want to start on the lineup and um, what your thoughts were on on our starting 11 today it's that's our strongest 11 isn't it really I think that's the if we, if we had a cup final or something to play um, that's the 11 I think I'd want to see out um, Zinchenko coming back in was a, a big a big return because we've missed, I think, maybe his on-the-ball qualities. We've missed the fact that this role that Arteta wants this left-back to play a lot more sort of inverted and, and being involved in the central midfield. Although Tommy Yasu and Tierney have done it to the best of their abilities, they haven't done it in the same way that we saw Zinchenko doing it. So I was excited to see how he came back in, but also... Not concerned, but there was that just that in the back of my head. I'm thinking this is a big game for him to come back into. It would have been nice for him to have some minutes against, um, you know, a lesser team before this big one. But at the same time, and um, I'll ask your sort of thoughts on this. This is our third win on the bounce at Stamford Bridge. Is this a big game anymore for us? Is this just you know we just turn up and, and roll these people over because? If it you know once once is um, a big one to celebrate twice it's hard to say is luck but three times on the bounce I mean they're going to well, stop we the worry aren't they we haven't done that since the seventies I think they said on the commentary that I had so even pre Abramovich you, you would go there and there were games that you might not come away with a win and um, yeah I. I was thinking about this. Some people were like, oh, worried about it. And I'm like, we, we shouldn't be worried. We absolutely shouldn't be worried because we have been historically, you know, recent history better than them. We lost against them last year at ours. And that was a, that was a different team of theirs and a different team of ours at that point. Um, and we put that right later in the year. The other games that we've won there, I mean, you and I have been to a couple where we've won at the bridge and it means a lot because we haven't had the best of records there in the last, you know, 15, 20 years, thanks to their money and, yeah. and what they've been able to do with that. It's still a big game because it's, it's a derby, but I do get what you mean. Like if we can build, again, it all comes back to that mystique and, and things like that. If we can keep building on that, that, they think, oh, Arsenal coming and we haven't had a result against them in a while. Because that's certainly how I think we would feel playing them at the Emirates 10 years ago. We would we would be in the same kind of boat of war, oh, Chelsea coming. I'm not too you know, I'm not too confident they've got players that can and do hurt us. Definitely. So I think that's where we are. 
Um, but yeah, just in case Millsy decides that he wants to listen to today, yeah, Chelsea is no longer a big game. <laughs> yeah, it's that. I think I think you're right there. I, I was going into this game with a lot of confidence. Um, I messaged you before the game and said, um, once I saw the line out, I was extremely confident about what I saw in the two 11s, just because on paper, they don't look as strong. We, we mentioned it last week, I think. On paper, they just don't look as strong as they used to do. And no. you look at the likes of uh, Cucurella and um, Shalabar in their back their back line, and they're not players who worry me. They're players who I think uh, look like weak links, and they're players who we should be going for. And we did um, sort of attack their weak links a lot, I thought, during the game. And, and there's so many of them. And it's 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 easy to to look at the two elevens. I know um, you know some of the broadcasters do those combined elevens. I think it was you know I hate them normally, but it would be hard to pick many of their players um, even on on form um, to go into to go up against ours. We're, we're definitely on paper the stronger team. So I, the I only wasn't person concerned too much. The only person that they've got that I wouldn't mind seeing is Mount, and that's it. Yeah, but there's no one else on that team that excites me. Um, And you mentioned about our starting lineup, and the big one was bringing in Zinchenko again. And yeah, you're right. I think that is our starting, our best starting eleven. But I did feel a little, not sorry, but um, I thought. Tierney was a bit hard done by not to be starting that game and because of his form. And I also thought it's a big game to bring Zinchenko back from... What's he been gone now? Four weeks? It's been a little while. It's been a while, yeah. So to bring a player back... Again, they know more than we do in terms of how they've reacted to training. Like, I didn't expect Elneny to start in the um, Europa League game during the week based on the fact he's been out since August. So... I was a bit surprised and I think there were certainly instances, not many, but a few instances where you saw that rustiness from him, um, a couple of miscontrols or like not quite getting the ball right. And the weather, I think, certainly didn't help with that. I mean, that, that foul throw was uh, rather comical when he, when he tried to put that in. <laughs> and clearly the ball was just wet. And it, yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's, just, hangover. Uh, that's hungover Sunday many, league. Um... Hector Bellerim's foul <laughs> Let's not start Zinchenko down the other side with those ones. Yeah. So, um, but for me, right, that team, we looked before the game. We looked. We are in a better position of how we're playing. Obviously, Chelsea had that really bad result against Brighton last week. Potter still doesn't seem to have figured out his best eleven. They have got injuries to some other good players, um, people like Rich James and, and a few others. But they haven't got a front line that makes it... I mean, you and I, you mentioned we were talking before the game um, yesterday and you thought that Havertz would likely start over Bamiang. So he tinkered it around to not play five at the back to allow to get them both in. But for me, Havertz is a midfielder. He's not even... It, it's like if we played Jacker up front. Honestly, that's how that feels. I've never thought Havertz is a forward player. He's... Um, but actually, that's disparaging to Xhaka because I think he's got more goals than Havertz this season uh, from midfield. So actually, maybe if we did stick him up through the middle in the number nine, he could be in double digits already. So maybe I'll take that back. But uh, yeah, very excited. We get get the game going. 
And from the off, we're the better team. They really didn't have anything that was making me nervous or anything like that. Um, we were passing the ball really nicely, moving around and just pressing them, pressing them, pressing them, pressing them. And they couldn't do anything with it. In the cat, she agrees. She's talking in the background there. She may or may not come through on the uh, on the audio. But yeah, we we throughout the game, you could say we battered them. They certainly had a odd period where they got at us a little bit, but there was no point. I can't remember Ramsdale making a save like that was. Well, we needed that. You know, Forest troubled us more. Yeah, it was. I, yeah, you're right. Dominant from the start. Um, really in control of the situation, had all the possession, created all the chances. Again, our finishing maybe let us down a little bit or our final ball let us down a little bit. We weren't as efficient in those areas, but it felt like Chelsea had sacrificed their attacking side of their game to be more solid defensively or just to have more players back. Um, And they they crowded us out at times, but I think we really just had control of the midfield, which is a, a big part of it, right? And just seemed to create chances at will. I thought um, both the our wide players, Martinelli and Saka, were, as always, huge outlets for us. And Saka in that first half had Cucurella on toast. Like he, he was making him look like a, I don't know, I don't know what level of player, but um, certainly not a sixty-two million pound signing because you know every time Saka got the ball, he seemed to go past him. Sometimes he he got fouled and, and got the decision. Sometimes he got fouled and didn't get the decision. But he had the beating of him almost every single time. And it, in the second half, we had a similar sort of thing with Martinelli, where he was taken on um, as Pelequator and and really giving him some trouble. And it just felt like. You know when you can just see so quickly the confidence of the two teams just within the first few minutes. You can see us really confident, the one-touch passing and the the movements were all there from the beginning. And I think with them, within the first 10 or 15 seconds, Jorginho put the ball out for a throw-in under almost no pressure. And you just thought, okay, that's a a side who aren't confident passing the ball about. They want an extra touch and they're not going to get one. And they're concerned that you know, this other team's coming and they're they're better than them. And that's how it felt from the start and, and all the way through for me. Yeah. And you mentioned Aspilicueta getting roasted by Martinelli. I, I don't think there's a player in that Chelsea lineup I like to see more getting done over than him because he's an absolute dick. So uh, I, I really enjoyed the fact that he he's been actually kind of a signal in the games against us, a signal of their capitulation slash the level that they dropped because he used to be a bit of a thorn in our side uh, and would often be a part of them getting a goal against us and now he looks so ordinary when we play them it's great I love it and uh, yeah we did we bossed the midfield I do think we mentioned it last week when we were talking about the Chelsea result against Brighton and how Thiago Silva dug them out of a million holes a couple of them he put them in them himself and I think he did the same thing for them like if you were to pick Chelsea's best player today it was him because of the amount of times that he did cut us off in dangerous areas like there was a really good block that he um preempted from a Jesus shot so I think 
he had a good game for them. And like you say, that final ball from us, our finishing wasn't quite where we want it. I mean, we can talk about it now, really. Gabriel Jesus had that, what what could have been up there with the goal against Norwich in terms of the ball being passed around and how we played out from the back. And uh, if he'd have finished that off, that would have been glorious. And he should have finished it off. Like he, he has to score that. And But his all-round performance was fantastic. He's so, so committed to everything that we're doing. And I, I mentioned the other week how I don't particularly like that sometimes you can drop almost too deep. And there were still the odd occasions where like, he was really out wide. And then uh, there was one instance in the first half where he was outside of Martinelli. He was in the inside channel. And then there wasn't really anyone in the middle for the ball to go into. And that's where you're like, oh, just Gabby being there. But yeah. we wouldn't have had the ball if Jesus hadn't already won it on the wing and given it to Martinelli. So the, the work that he does uh, around the pitch and throughout the game is exemplary. And that's why he's not coming in for loads of criticism, but that he, he does need to get that as, you know, the typical football term to get that monkey off his back that he hasn't scored now in 10 games. Uh, it'd be nice for him to maybe do that before the world cup, just so it's done. So he doesn't go into the world cup thinking about it. But yeah, um, yeah we, we should have scored that goal and we should have been one and up at half time. I think because that was a glorious chance, glorious chance. That, that was the uh, so that was like the one touch build up and then the Martinelli cross. I don't know whether he hesitated for a moment and couldn't get on the end of it, or whether he just couldn't have reached it. But it felt like one that yeah he he had that diving diving in um, chance at the end of the last game right from the Ben White um, header, and this is another one where he's just inches away from from getting that goal. I think. I think you're right. Like he's his involvement in the build-up was really good, and his all-round play was fantastic. It felt like he was also getting in the box in this game because he had, I think he had three chances, maybe four shots in inside the box, um, including that one where we knew on the end of it. So he's getting there. It's just not quite coming off for him. Yeah. Um, but like you say, is you know, it's, it's the thing that I keep thinking about is if he's if he's getting in the right area still and he's providing all of the stuff that he does outside the box, I mean, the the hold-up play that he had in this game I thought was incredible. Um, it's something that I didn't expect from him and I hadn't seen that much of it when he played for City. But his ability to take the ball with a defender on his back when the ball's in the air, it's, some of the passes, like he shouldn't be able to control them. It feels like he's catching them sometimes. <laughs> He just manages to get it under control and then start spinning away or wriggling out of pressure and, and winning fouls. It It's the sort of play you expect from like a six foot four striker, like a big Andy Carroll or Peter Crouch sort of oh, player. Can, can, we, can we use a much Somehow. better example than that, please? Come on. Give me a like, player then, Gorn. Kick it to the big guy. Marin Schmack? No. Olivier <laughs> Giroud. Giroud couldn't hold the ball up as well as this. Um, he wasn't bad. 
uh, yeah, but again, but again, you're talking about like this is what I'm saying. Like that's a huge player and a big physical presence, and this is a little guy um, who should be getting sort of pushed off the ball, but is able to to bring it down and, and wriggle and turn, and it's incredible. Um, yeah, yeah. I thought I thought again, it again, it's hard to pick a man of the match because um, of the attacking output, and maybe we'll come to it later, and maybe it will be one of the defenders who, who gets a, a, a shout out today. Maybe one who I mentioned last week and um, went under your radio a little bit, but um, for man of the match, he, he you know he's close again. I I've already picked my man of the match, and it's Granite Xhaka for the shithousery at the end of the game. Simple as that. Like the whole once he got kind of pushed into um, Shalabar from Kovacic when he came in, and when they showed the replay, and he's just there grinning at him, this massive <laughs> shit eating grin, as just just mugging him up and. You and I know from many years of going to uh, football games, you you just wave at the opposition fans. Like on and those away games, you just wave at the opposition fans smugly when you're winning. I drove this guy like bananas at a whole game once. Like he went mad, and then I saw him outside the ground and at Hull, they've got the fences up around the um, away support area. And he comes running up to the fences, and I'm just just stood there waving with this shit eating grin. And uh, yeah, Granit Xhaka, man of the match, just for that alone. It was, <laughs> it was so so good. Um, but yeah, he, Gabby Jesus is is doing the business for us, and hopefully he can get a goal. To be honest, I'm sure he won't care if it's a a ricochet in the box, kind of like well, not, I was about to say kind of like what we scored. That's unfair, but uh, you know, a tap in from an inch, I'm sure he'll take versus some sublime bit of skill which we know he's capable of he just need he just needs to open the door again and uh and walk through it and we'll be we'll be uh, enjoying all of his goals again soon i'm sure um Partey had another stellar performance in the middle of the park he we've talked about sambi and um like the differences of which obviously are vast two players in very different stages of their careers and slightly different plays but the the way that Partey just reads the game is so good the way that he can interpret what is about to happen and adapt either his body position or where he's going to take that first touch with the ball which direction he's going to go with it that means that he's the one who ends up with it he's got his big frame then to protect the ball and he's able to shrug off a challenge and then move the ball on wherever he needs to and uh, he did the same again today. Um, that was really, really good. Glorious, glorious to watch. Um, and yeah, the defending. The defending was good. Like I say, there wasn't, I can't remember a single shot in anger, really. I think, uh, yeah, there wasn't like a diving save that Ramsdale had to make, was there? No, not from not from memory. Um I think Havertz might have had a, a shot or um, Thiago, Thiago Silva had a header that was um, uh, relatively close to the goal, but there was no real issue with them coming forward. Certainly in that first half, they didn't really get anywhere. They were clearing it long, trying to get Aubameyang in behind, but um, as Aubameyang has done for the last few years, he doesn't really want to run the channels. He is. He looks a little bit lost. I think. I think they said he had four touches in that first half, um, which is, you know, he, he's a sort of player who gets on the end of things. He's not always in the build-up, so that's um, not a 
always an indication of whether he's having a good or bad game. But yeah, they didn't really get going as an attacking force. Um, I thought they were they were clearances um, really down the wings from um, Chalabar and Cucurella. They weren't balled into space for, for runners. They were just trying to get rid of the pressure. And um, yeah, it, it it limited their output so much. Um, and I think that was just, I think that was by design from Potter. I think they were scared of, of us, certainly in the first half. They wanted to try and keep it as tight as possible and limit our chances and then try and grab something later in the game, but obviously didn't didn't come off for them. That. And they're right to be scared because we are dangerous. We've looking at the games that we have played, we've now this we've played two of the, you know, established bigger teams away from home. Um Chelsea today and Man United a few weeks back. Uh we've played Liverpool at home, beaten them. We've played Tottenham at home, beaten them. Uh, we should have played City, but obviously had to have that game postponed. We've played uh, all of the tough teams around us at the minute and bar the one game against United where we played better but walked away with a loss, we've done really, really well. And teams should stand up and take notice. Teams should adapt to us now, not the other way around. Uh, what has happened to... Sterling is an attacking player. I don't know. He's he's just got nothing. And we, we dealt with him like Zinchenko, you know, former teammates. He managed to handle him pretty well. Uh, Sterling really didn't get too much going. And like you say, Aubameyang uh, really had had nothing. Um, how it, it made more sense to me maybe after the game, but when he got his first touch, Aubameyang, and our fans booed, what, what did you think? I think some of that is is pantomime booing. Um, I don't think there's much. Well, I, I don't have any hatred towards Aubameyang. Um, no, neither I think do I. It's, I think it's a shame the way that it ended with him, and I think there's a little bit of. So, so my, my my reason of of him as a player at the moment is that he's he's a bit of a spent force. I don't think he's going to come back to where he was. No. I think he's in his decline and with players like that sometimes it can fall off a cliff quite quickly your performances and I don't think he'll ever have a, a season or an output that will be decent again um, I, I would imagine that Chelsea will try and move him on when they can because it doesn't feel like a great signing for them it doesn't feel like a great fit it doesn't feel like a Potter sort of player so Going in with that mentality of here's a player whose best days are well behind him, and I don't really fancy him up against our our defenders. I didn't really care. Um, so the, the the nothing personal um, kind of uh, the vignette uh, promo, the, vi- the yeah. yeah, the little video was again. It's, it's sort of trying to trying to get some sort of reaction from the fans, maybe, but. I don't think enough of the fans really care about him because, you know, he's moved on it and we've moved like, on and we're better for it and he's worse for it. So yeah, it's not it one of those the where whole, there's a, a hatred. It wasn't the whole end that booed. And, and the reason why I say after the game, it made more sense to me is because after the game, I saw the 
the video of the whole oh it's nothing personal and if you actually watch there's a real going around where bt sport are the one they're telling him what to say uh, yeah, that, obviously you know, he, he then chooses to say it but he's in that position where it's just it, so for me like those the vignettes are stupid ridiculous it's just it's um you know journalists putting words into players mouths kind of like um what happened with martinelli this week and the whole get get me a pen thing like yeah. i got all excited about that but then when i actually saw the uh interview you know video i was like well actually that was just a journalist saying that and, and putting that into his mouth and he did bite down on it and then reiterate it and and say it back but uh that wasn't a natural thing and it wasn't for Aubameyang either and he was a good servant to us for the time that he was with us he had his off the pitch issues and you know the word ego has been thrown around this this week um, and before and for me no one's bigger than the club no one's bigger than the team and the thing that kind of plays out for me is the fact that None of our players openly revolted when we did part ways with him. Like they bought into the fact that, yeah, why should one person get special treatment over another? Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's on the downside. But yeah, for me, he's not. It's not like when Van Persie went or had a buy or anything. I, I still like the guy. Wish him all the best. Um, and yeah, maybe it was pantomime, but it, it, I don't know. I, I wasn't too comfortable with it especially in the first couple of minutes of the game because I'd reached out to you yesterday and there were nerves I had nerves that something could happen uh in a game like this that he will get on the end of something and it will be a Bamiyang that that you know gets a winner or whatever it might be and I had this feeling not about a Bamiyang scoring a winner but I had this feeling throughout the game of nerves and those nerves weren't generated by the way we were playing or what Chelsea were doing. They were entirely generated by fear that an outside force or something that's not in our control would take this game away from us. And we've had that before this season already, like in the away game against United. And that, for me, was my nerve throughout the game. That's why I was pacing um, you know, 10 minutes left, five minutes left, just thinking, is there going to be one crappy decision that goes against us here uh, yeah. that that can undo all of the good work that we've done defensively? We were really good. A couple of small mistakes here and a few times where we didn't manage to get hold of the first ball to try and clear it. A couple of times we needed a few attempts at it. I think the conditions came into play there with how heavy it was raining. Um, but yeah, my my nerves for this game were because of fear that someone else would have uh, an impact on the game, that and they wear black. And um... <laughs> well, I, I was gonna, I was actually gonna ask you that because um, that that will lead in quite well. How did you think the game was refereed? Because I felt there was a little bit of a difference in this game than some of the other games I've been watching recently. Um, so I don't know whether you, you, you felt the same, but um, um, what, what maybe was your feeling on Michael Oliver? Uh, I thought he was okay. I don't think he was great. I thought he was okay. There was a few things where I think he missed some stuff. Um, I don't think there was too much for him to 
hoodoo. There wasn't really like the Aspilaqueta thing when it happened. I thought, oh, that's nasty, that's nasty. Like I wanted to, and you saw he had the yellow card in his hand straight away before he even saw a replay. And I'm yeah. like, oh, if this, I want to see this replay, I want to see this replay. And then it was the classic, actually, it's Martinelli that kicks uh, into his foot. And you're like, yeah, no, that's fair enough. Um, uh, Cucurella got away with one, you know. So again, a small thing that I was like, oh, it's a bit of a crap decision a bit of a crap decision to give um, was when Saka then just got up and fouled Cucurella. Um, overall, I thought it was okay. Yeah, I, I, I was all right with it. What, what was it that you, um, what is it you're driving at when you say it's different to... So, I mean, since, I mean, from the start of the season, we've seen referees be a little bit more lenient on possible fouls or those ones that are on the edge and They've been playing a lot of advances and stuff like this. It felt to me definitely like he was giving more fouls for little incidents than I've seen other referees give in in other games. And not right. uh, this is not any sort of bias towards either team. It just felt like the game was very stop-start. And there were moments when he could have just let the game play on because they weren't that really clear fouls, but he was giving them. Um, and just looking up, uh, just looks up the stats there. There's almost twice as many fouls in our game as any of the other games today. Um, oh, okay. And I, I, you can say, yeah, but it's a London derby. But I mean, West Ham Palace is a London derby. That didn't have as many. Um, Spurs Liverpool game, that was also like a similar amount of fouls. But it just felt like he, he wanted to break the game up. He wanted to keep stopping it. And I don't think I, it really suits either team when when that happens. And I was getting a little bit frustrated just watching it. And it wasn't, you know, sometimes it's those transition fouls where the team's countering and you're frustrated because of that. It wasn't always those moments. It was just moments where I thought, just, you know, are we stopping the game again to, to talk to another player when we can just get on with it, like the, the team's still in yeah. possession? I... I... Remember and recall that period of bitterness, and and I did feel that it was Chelsea trying, like because they certainly outfouled us. I felt like uh, it was them trying to break break up our play. They were trying to uh, stop rhythm and momentum being built. There was an instance I remember where uh, the flag had gone up, and but we had the ball, and it was just like, well, why bring that back? We've got the ball, and we're going up the other end. Like, let us go because one of the things I was crying out for from us was the opportunity to run at Chelsea. We didn't really get that. They, yeah. I felt like their back line was in the right place pretty much the whole game. They didn't really allow space in behind and they never got caught too high up by us. So we never really ran at them like we would hope to and want to. So we had to, and that's you know probably why you can then look into the fact we scored a goal from a set play. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. It certainly was bitty at the time. I thought it was because it was generally us getting the fouls. It was more Chelsea just trying to stop us from playing, um, yeah. because they, they didn't want to be outplayed and outpassed. So, um, yeah, could have, you could be right though. Could just be Michael Oliver. He hasn't been the greatest for us this year. So, and that's, that was why I was nervous. Um, because you just you just feel that these things are still gonna gonna hurt us, but uh, thankfully not. Thankfully not. Um, second half we continue 
where we left off, pressing, dominating. Um, and it was through, again, it was good work from uh, a press from our front four. And Jesus manages to get the ball, goes through, uh, has a shot, which uh, Mendy saves. And that's where we get the corner from. The corner itself, I don't know about you, I thought it wasn't the best corner because normally that's in an area where a keeper should should handle that. That Definitely. shouldn't that shouldn't get to where it got to. So there was a part of me thinking like that's not a great corner, or even though it was going in of its own accord, it wasn't like the Douglas Weezer scored two corners this year, right? Um yeah. and those kind of whipped and went in and one of them was against us. And so for me, that that wasn't a great corner, but we got a goal. And, oh, mate, I was going absolutely mental. That was, uh, I was so pleased to see us get that because it was no less than we deserved. And, yeah, I mean, there's not too much more to say about it. I know that on commentary afterwards on BT, they were kind of picking apart Chelsea more for the fact that Arsenal got into this position um, but that's kind of typical. Don't give credit where it's due. Um, what did you think of that kind of that, sequence? Yeah, that that flat corner is one that we we keep trying. I mean, a lot of teams are playing that flat corner into the front post at the moment. It seems like um, that's the go-to set piece for for teams at the moment. I know a lo- loads of teams seem to have got set piece coaches over the summer, and um, I don't know whether they've all sat down and had a meeting about. Um, that being the best way to score, but crowding around the goalkeeper and and flying into the front post. And yeah, it wasn't a great one because I think it bounces before it gets probably five yards before the front post, actually. But um, I think two or three Chelsea players miss it. I think it might be Havertz and um, Jorginho maybe at the front um, or Thiago Silva. Um, And then, yeah, it's, it's anybody's ball once it bounced in that area, but... There's a there's a lot of luck, but you've also got to be there and you've got to want to get on the end of it. And it may well have gone in anyway. I think it was probably heading into the goal, yeah, but Gabriel was there and he wants it more than anybody else. You know, we've seen um, Thiago Silva clear stuff off the line. So it could well have been a Chelsea player who was there and managed to get it off the line, but he wants it more than anybody else. And um, I was happy for him to get that goal. Um, because I've certainly been harsh on him the last few weeks and he's made a few mistakes that um, have cost us some goals and cost us some um, chances or given up some chances. And there's a nice, um, you know, a nice bit of redemption. He, he's had it earlier in the season, right, where um, he, he managed to get a goal and um, after a mistake. So, again, it, it writes a wrong that um, he's made and... I'll certainly be less harsh on him for for getting on the end of that one because, um, yeah, he, you know he, he wants it and um, it was a, it was a great celebration at the end for him. Yeah, run past Abamyang, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, um, a little bit of stick for Abamyang, and then um, even after the final whistle, he was um, shirt off, windmilling the shirt around his head um, in <laughs> celebration. So <laughs> I'm glad he's enjoying it. Um, if only really he knew that it a little bit. If only you knew that what you're actually supposed to do is take your shoes off Stamford Bridge. Um, <laughs> <laughs> everyone, the three people that listen to this are going to be like, what? But you and I know what we're on about. Um, yeah. He, yeah, 
he he got there like that the desire to get there and that that was that was key and no less than we deserved and chelsea didn't look like they they just it was like they didn't even have fight in them yeah really maybe that's even how to class it the the one player who i thought who didn't do terribly was mason mount on him actually did you notice the little bit of a back and forth like a, a a jovial-ish back and forth between him and Ben White kind of throughout the game. And there yeah. was a point there was a point in the second half where just after they'd had a little, you know, laughing, like, yeah, don't be a twat kind of like thing. And then Ben White absolutely mugs him off and nutmegs him in a uh, in an attacking phase yeah. of our play. And I was just like, oh yes, Ben, you oh, beautiful, beautiful guy. Um love that. Love to see that. He had, so. he had a great game as well, Ben White. I think he, yep. he has to have got himself into the England team over the last few weeks. His performances have been fantastic. Well, um, people I, I are going to say it's because of the injuries, way. but it's not. He should he should be in the first 11, not in the squad even. And the fact that he wasn't was disgraceful. But yeah, he should be on the plane to, to the World Cup for sure. He has to be, along with someone like a James Madison who has been playing really, really well and deserves to go and for some reason hasn't been in uh, contention, which I find really weird. But play, managers have their favourites sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, the other player, just to, to shout out, the um, I think he was actually man of the match and, and he was my man of the match, is um, a player who I wrongly called the best defender in the Premier League last week so I'd like to I'd like to amend that and say he's the best defender in the world actually because <laughs> William Saliba is uh, it, I can't believe the player he is even when we signed him and we paid all that money and there was this talk about you know we've we've got there ahead of all these other teams and we've gone early on this guy and he's got the potential to be great and blah 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 blah, blah. I didn't expect this player yeah I really didn't uh, it's hard to picture how good a defender will be but it, he's just he's so mature already and he's he's playing with such confidence the amount of times when he, he he's in the right position or he anticipates the the move and then he's winning every single physical duel that comes his way he's covering he's for other players he's quick as anything um, he's very rarely sliding about. He's just in the right position and he outmuscles people. And then on the ball is like, he, he, you know, the little one-touch passes around the box to get out of pressure or the little drops of shoulder just to move the other way. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't watch all the football in the world, but I'm pretty sure he's the best defender in the world. Yeah, you don't need to. Um, you're you're right. When we when we bought him and the kind of a couple of years of him going out on loan and all these things, I've always been nervous of the young prodigies. Uh, I can think of a couple. Like, was it? And I, I might be well off with the with the name here. Was it Freddie Adu? You, yeah, American, yeah, American 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 kid yeah. who on Football Manager was better than Messi. Where is he? What did he ever do? Nothing. And yet there was so much fuss about someone like him. Another one that always I love to use this as the barometer as to how stupid 
the media is in the UK and specifically Sky, specifically TalkSport, Adnan Yanazai, who had one good game against Sunderland and they were absolutely creaming over him. Oh, he should be in England. He's going to be a superstar. He's amazing. He did nothing. And I remember like being back in those days where I used to drive for my profession back in the UK and I had TalkSport on and they would just be, oh, Adnan Yanazai this, Adnan Yanazai that. He's a saviour. He's the best. No, he's not. What has he ever done? So I've always been a bit dubious of these um, hype machines or stuff like this. But he is one of those players, kind of like Saka uh, and a few others, that lives up to it consistently. So he, he for me, is the real deal. Um, and we've got a few of those players that are the real deal. Sacco, as I just mentioned, I think Martinelli as well. Um, yeah, I, th- I think we're we're in a great place right now, and to have gone back above City with this result, and like I say, to have played all of the teams around, all of the kind of you know established bigger sides, and to have only lost one of those games away from home in a in a game that we probably shouldn't have. Um, we're in a really good spot and that's why I'm the most excited I've been. And that's why today mattered the most to me. Today's result was, in my mind, bigger than Liverpool at home. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know, it's hard, it's hard to say that, but it's it's further on in the season, right? It's another, it's another bit of evidence, like, like you've said there, that we are the real deal. And um, yeah, it's hard to, you know, you have to recognise at this point, like you say, we've played all these teams and got the results in all but one. And that means something. So um, yeah, I, I'm I'm really excited about the rest of the season. We've got one more Premier League game to make sure that we go into this break um, in the best possible condition, and and then yeah, we'll pick up the reins after the World Cup. But um, yeah, it's it's more than I guess we could ever have hoped for at the start of the season. Yeah, and it it, it continues to it just continues to be a fantastic watch, doesn't it? Because not only is are the results there, but the performances are there, and we've got this team and manager who we can all buy into and we can all enjoy all of the players um that are on the pitch uh and and in the squad so i mean it's hard to pick any flaw or any fault with anything that's happened yeah. other than not getting a result in a game where we were the better team yeah in that it's, game. Yeah. it's it's a very special time right now and something as i get older the saying it's been you know trotted out a long time that you wish you knew you were in the good old days when they were happening so applying that to arsenal you think of the invincibles and that kind of anywhere from 98 to 2006 really which you and i both lucky enough to be fans of there are plenty of fans out there who weren't around and don't know what it was like back then when we were you know head and shoulders above the rest it was just us and Man U like no one else really came close to the two of us 
Um, so that's why I there's part of me that so I don't like to be superstitious um, and not want to talk things up and like feeling in today in the game that something it just felt like something was going to happen to take it away from us because of City getting a last minute jammy penalty when they'd been down to 10 men for so long that's why I was nervous and so I, I have these nerves about kind of enjoying what's going on right now to the fullest but at the same time you've you've got to like I say revel in the the days where things are so good because it's a special time right now for what is happening and what has happened to Arsenal and got to give credit to the board and to our ownership for going after Arteta and sticking with him there are a lot of fans who are whether it's the way the world is now kind of as I took shots at the media earlier and stuff like that the the really fickle football fan who maybe hasn't had as many years supporting Arsenal as others possibly I mean I, I do know people who were in the have been around for a long time that fell into the category of saying Arteta's rubbish um but a lot of us I think more level-headed said no he is good give him the time and uh he has reaped the rewards of having that time, having that backing, uh, and has done wonders since he's been here. He's he's had to deal with so much crap, pandemic, player wage cuts, um, a few, well, quite a few uh, big egos, personalities that he's had to take care of, and you know, personnel changeover, the installation of. So many things that, especially for me, from a marketing standpoint in my own profession of like uh, the the redoing of the dressing room and all of the little stuff and the quotes and having the history all around London Colney, all these little things. To me, that's a no-brainer. You should have that kind of stuff and it shouldn't have been missed. Um, I saw yesterday Everton and they commented on it uh, when the players were in the tunnel there. They've now got stuff down their tunnel of their fans. Is that something Frank Lampard wanted to instill? Unfortunately, he doesn't have the talent that Arteta does to go along with the ideas. But um, those things are important and they're tangible. And yeah, just credit, credit to Arteta, credit to the players for working hard, credit to the board and to our ownership, um, who I've not, had a particularly happy feeling towards since they took over. Um, so I'll give them a little bit of credit here when it's due. Yeah, very well said. Very well said. And um, I reckon we should have a break. Agreed. As I swig a coffee and you didn't give oh, me enough you're, time. You're, to... you're drinking. <laughs> I mean, I want to go and have, a, I want to go and have a, a beer celebration whiskey or something here. Yeah, it's days like this that I kind of feel like I should start drinking again. Um, But uh, yeah, it's it's only like 12 in the afternoon here. It's probably those those days of seven o'clock in the morning drinks on the way to a game. They're behind me, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, let's take a break. Um, Thanks again for uh, listening to us on that first part. Stick with us, though. We're going to come back. We're going to talk uh, other instances and other uh, results in the Premier League and what's going on in the world of football and maybe we'll touch briefly on fantasy football as well so join us again shortly
everyone. Thanks for uh, coming back and joining us in the second part of the show. We're going to discuss the other weekend's results, what's going on in the Premier League, uh, some of it, how it's affecting us. What was your standout result of the weekend, Christopher? Um, just to throw a little curveball in, just before we do the other Premier League results, okay. I should mention, um, obviously Arsenal, um, Arsenal men's team, 13 games in, top of the league. Arsenal women's team, six wins in six, top of the yep. league. Arsenal Academy, six wins out of 11, top of the league. So from man to woman to child, we are running football in the UK at the moment. I haven't got the results of the um, under nine leagues, but just let's assume that we're winning all those as well. You're sleeping then if you haven't got those. Uh, yeah, we are. The, the women ran out 4-0 winners at Leicester today, didn't they? And uh, Yeah, really good I have, I must... to watch that one. Okay, nice. I, I wish we had easier access to games here because even on like streaming sites, it's hard to find. Um, but the academy, that definitely, I haven't seen any of that. So that's that's nice to hear that they're doing well too. And yeah, you're right. It is full credit to what's going on with, with the women and with the academy as well. Like the the way that the, the YouTube documentary on Hale End comes through, it was really good. We've got some talented youths in there, but also the guidance that they're getting is really, really good. And then you apply the same thing to the women's team and how they're run, like the fact that we've given Vivian Miedemar some time off just to kind of recharge uh, because of the importance of that player. So the decisions that we're taking to ensure that we're getting the best out of our teams, out of our players. It's it's great to see the the whole culture, like you say, from men to the women to the kids, uh, is really in a good place with Arsenal right now. And you just you just want to see it continue for as long as possible. You yeah, just want to see definitely. it continue as long as possible. It's in a, it's in a yeah. fantastic place. Um, right, Premier League, because um, I'm sure that's what you're actually asking for. Is it, I think it's got to be good evening, hasn't it? First of all. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, because, good evening. <laughs> because uh, Unai Emery's back in the Premier League, obviously, with Aston Villa. He How must have only been that? there for a, a few days. Um, I, I I like Emery. Um he he was a hard he was a hard manager to really buy into just because of his um because of his lack of English, it was hard mm-hmm. to really, I don't know, empathise with everything that he wanted to do. And it was hard for him to get his message across, I think, to the fans as well as the players. He wasn't um, he wasn't terrible for us by any means. Um, things didn't work out perfectly. He had, you know, some of the um, egos that Arteta then had to deal with um, and, and had his own way of dealing with them. So... Uh, yeah, I'm I'm glad that he's coming back and maybe he feels like it's a chance to rewrite his his English journey a little bit. Um and I, I wish him all the best. I think he'll he'll do a lot better than Gerard. Um he'll have some good structure there and um I think Villa will be a decent side. I mean they've got they had some money behind them, right? In the summer. Um they invested quite heavily in players. If they continue to do that then 
he's a sort of manager who could get them into Europe or something. I think um, he's got a really re- good record. So yeah, all the best to him. And and obviously his fantastic win today is a, is a really good start from him because um, Man United again falling apart. And you know you just love to see it, don't you? Especially when <laughs> Ronaldo's the captain. Um, it, it's just a beautiful thing when it when it all falls apart over there. Yeah, I same page for Emery. I, I liked him. He just didn't quite fit what we wanted and needed. Uh, but again, no real issue with him or anything like that. He he certainly tried his best, but I think it just wasn't the right fit. And yeah, you say he wants to rewrite his uh, chapter in, in, in England, it will still probably be written in Spanish, but uh, he might well, yeah. he might well rewrite, rewrite with Jonathan Ross, rewrite that history. And uh, yeah, all good luck to him, apart from on the two games a season that we play them. And um, I think you're right. I think with, they do have wealthy owners who look like they're willing to invest. And I think they'll, uh, obviously do that with him but yeah he's only been there a few days because he had to wait for a work permit whether he was around the club or not I don't know but uh, I was I'm keen to see from a fantasy football side of things what he does and I I stayed away from Aston Villa players from the one who maybe I should have put in uh, Bailey who I had at the beginning of the year because I thought he was a decent player and would do well and Gerard just didn't get anything out of him, so I, I dropped him early on. Uh, but he did well in the 4-0 win that they had the other week when they scored like three goals in 12 minutes. Yeah, And I just wanted to see how he might get on under Emery and, you know, does Emery fancy him? Looks like he does. So he's someone that I would look to have in your side when we come back from the World Cup break. Um, yeah. I, I haven't watched the highlights. So I haven't seen if there are any dummies being spat out by the United team. Uh, did Ronaldo um, just walk off the pitch and just say, I'm done with this, like in his petulant little twatty way, uh, which he seems to be doing a lot at the moment? Or was he respectful and actually tried hard? Yeah, who knows with that guy? Um, I think there was a lot of talk about um, Ten Hag winning that sort of battle and... I don't know whether it has come from the Man United side of the media, but I remember Gary Neville sort of saying, oh, you know, he's done the right decision with this Ronaldo thing and he's cleared the air and it's all over. And I just thought, actually, it's not at all. You can't spin it like that because he's he's sort of had to bring him back into the team. And then today he's he's made him captain. Um, I didn't watch the game, so it's, it's hard to comment too much about, about what he did, but he certainly didn't score. And, and the team have lost. So, um, yeah, the, the influence he has on that team is is really a negative one. And, yeah, I, I hope he, he continues and I hope he signs a new contract, Ronaldo, because, um, it, you know, that's a, a team that's kind of rotten um, throughout and I think he's a, he's a big part of it. So it's good to see them losing and, and nice for Emery. Um, I guess the, the other game I wanted to mention before I get to the... Um, biggest game or bigger game of the weekend is the Newcastle game because again they've got a win and for me they're going sort of under the radar for me because I know I sort of see them up at the top and I I realize that they haven't lost too many games but I still don't really consider them um, 
a sort of a top team yet. What, no. What's your thinking on them? Yeah, I, I just want to round off what you were saying on United first before I jump in there. Um, as for United, they're in a position kind of like what we were a few years ago. And we have put the right pieces in that puzzle together. United probably don't have the patience to try and put those pieces in the right place. So, yeah, I think that they will continue to struggle for quite a few seasons because they don't have the staying power to put up with where they are or where they might fall to for the amount of time that we did to then get back to where we are currently. Um, so that's what I think about that. Yeah, as for Newcastle, it's it's very Leicester-like, you know, when when they were doing well. And you can apply that same thing to us right now. I, the stats about how... And I'm, I'm bringing it back to us. So the stats on out of all of the teams that have ever had starts as good as this, they've all gone on to win the league bar Newcastle. Those stats are, for me, very outdated because the Premier League that was then and the Premier League that there is now is so different because Man City do have you know billions at their disposal and financial fair play just doesn't matter. So they could easily add another 100, 150 million pounds worth of player in January to top up what they've got. And they will just keep churning out results. Like you to win the league now, you can't do it with I think we did it one year with was it 78 points? Like that doesn't win you the league now. That won't even get you in a top four now. Yeah. So the these um stats kind of that the way that they're presented are different. But taking it back to the Leicester example of when they did win the league and it was a year that City had an off year. Liverpool weren't the team that they are now or were a year or two ago. Um, and other teams like Chelsea and United were also not where they have been when they're good. So Newcastle could be up there. There is a chance. And they're very much in that mould of not full of world-class superstars, but they're playing as a team. They're playing for each other. They're playing with confidence and they're getting good results. They're scoring goals. So who knows? Really, genuinely, who knows? I mean, they're up to third now. So we have got to consider them. And after last year, I do want to absolutely pummel them at St. James's Park. Uh, whether we'll be able to do that or not, I don't know. But that caused a lot of psychological damage to me that, that night. Um, I walked for many an hour around the block after that game. And I would love to just revel in absolutely taking them apart at St. James's Park. So, yeah, Newcastle, are. I will consider them dangerous. Yeah. Um, Spurs Liverpool have you seen this game yet um, yeah I, I missed maybe the last 15-20 minutes because I slept I went back to bed after our game and uh, slept in longer so I didn't get, didn't get to watch the whole thing and, but uh, it wasn't a very it wasn't a game of high quality put it that way from either side really sloppy yeah yeah um, but Tottenham get battered even when they're at home so uh, that that was great. 
that Liverpool did us a favour there um, and just brought them down a peg or two. Nice to see. Yeah, they're uh, you know as we said a few weeks ago, I think their results aren't really reflective of their performances. Um, I watched their Champions League game during the week, or watched the first half anyway, and they were abysmal. Um, I don't know how they managed to get a result in that one, but um, again, against Liverpool, so negative, so pragmatic. Um, They've got a few injury um, issues, which meant they had Perisic up front with Kane. And um, it's a sort of laughable situation they've got themselves into where it's sort of five defenders and three defensive midfielders and um, a winger up front with Harry Kane. So, yeah, they're. um, I don't think they're going to worry the top of the table um but i think they'll be fighting for for a european place along with along with those other teams down there at that moment who liverpool or tottenham um tottenham okay yeah tottenham. maybe they will i think i think, no, no. I think liverpool were, are starting to get a little bit of i don't know a little bit of consistency in their lineup they're starting to pick darwin a little bit more who um i'm not sure if he's going to come good eventually but um yeah, like like you said at the start, who knows what's going to happen after the World Cup and the, the fitness of, of players, but um, it was a good result for us, I think, that one. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's just nice to have gaps, and that's why I was disappointed with uh, City getting the last-minute penalty, because I was just... You, you you know, you only need one point to win uh, a league, but I, I would just like... The, the bigger the cushion, the better. And that's how I felt with our game today. If we could have got a second goal, I would have felt that we, yeah, there was zero chance of Chelsea getting back into it, no matter what happened. Um, so, yeah, and Tottenham are, that was just sloppy. But Liverpool had a bit better uh, attacking prowess, is how I put it. But, uh, yeah, Tot- Tottenham sloppy. Um the other one for me, which I was pleased to see because I like them, was the Leeds comeback against Bournemouth uh, after going behind yeah. there. Uh, because we weren't able to record after we'd played them, but I mean, they battered us. They, they deserved to beat us uh, that day, and they didn't. And I'm happy that they didn't. But... Uh, I, I do, even though Arsenal have got history with Leeds, you know, people like Danny Mills, Mark, you know, Mark Duke, goal, things like that, that have been heartbreaking for us. I, I do have a soft spot for them. So I was glad to see that result. Um, and other than that, all kind of what I expected, Leicester have continued their, um, you know, return to form as such. You know, they've moved up the table. How long until Lampard joins his mate Gerrard? Uh, in the unemployment line, I think it's going to be after the World Cup now. I think he's, I think he's made it somehow. Um, I, I didn't see it happening. I thought he was going to be the first one to go. I would have put money on it, um, but yeah, somehow he's managed to to get a couple of wins, a couple of results here and there, and sort of kept himself head above water. But um, yeah, that the the bottom half of the league is so tight at the moment that. You you know you have a bad result and people are talking about it's the end, and then you get a win and and things change a little bit. Um, there was a lot of talk about Jesse March being the next one to to be sacked, and they're now um, you know two wins and, and up into twelve. So it, it's really sort of um, 
what is it, three points between sort of 11th and and 19th or something like that. Um, it's, it's really tight. So, yeah, I think we'll see second half of the second half of the the league. We'll see some of these teams manage to pull themselves away from that position. I'm sure, but um, at the moment, it's really tight down there. It is um, a team that uh, may be struggling compared to what they did last year. West Ham, who lost against Palace uh, at West Ham, they were doing all right last year. You know, they were the team that was up in the top six for a lot of last season and and did well. Like, what is going wrong there? I mean, you, you talk about the fact that there isn't really too much. They're on 14 points in 15. You know, they only need two wins and they'd be uh, hot on the heels of Liverpool in eight. But uh, they don't seem to be clicking like they were last year. Is it they bought too many new players or just not getting the right tune out of them from Moyes like that they seem to have just dropped away yeah there's I think there's a little bit of that there's also a little bit of the um, post Europa blues I think for them because it seems like whenever they come back from a um, a midweek game they end up losing um, it's a pretty surefire thing at the moment um, if you look at their results they've, they've I know they've tried to rotate a little bit with their team but they just don't have the depth that the likes of, of Arsenal have or um, you know some of the other bigger teams, the bigger squads. Um, so they've been dropping points. That's, um, I mean, that was one of Lampard's wins, which doesn't really count, does it? When you beat West Ham after they played in Europe during the week, um, <laughs> you know, you shouldn't really be able to count that one. But yeah, I think it, it's hard. It's hard to come back from Europe and have a performance. And, and when when teams are so close, and when there's not a huge difference between the teams in in that. Um, sort of from mid-table downwards, those little percentages of, of fatigue, I think, really, really kick in. So, um, yeah, I think that's why they've they've dropped some points. Have Brentford got what it takes to beat City next week? No. No, you don't think that'll that's be one of the surprise, surprise results? What about Leeds away to Spurs? Yeah, I think Leeds could, Leeds could trouble them. Leeds could definitely trouble them with their um, intensity and the fact that Spurs are struggling a bit with injuries. I think, yeah, I'd fancy, I'd fancy Leeds to to cause maybe an upset there. Um, we'll we'll see how that one goes. I think the it's going to be interesting this last last weekend because it, it's then it's that mental thing of if you if you if you're not going to the World Cup, you're then whether you're training or not training. You're then sitting there looking at the table for a month. Um, manager, coaches, physios, whoever you are, players, you're just going to be in a bit of limbo waiting to get started again. So I think if you end on a bad note, you end on a sour note, it's going to hang over you for the whole period. Um, and again, it's something we've never seen before, right? Normally you've got, you know, you have a bad result and then you've got a, a week to get over it and you go again. Um, occasionally a little bit longer if you're if you're unlucky with the fixture calendar, but to have a month, um, it's going to be tough for some teams. And if you're sitting in that relegation area or you're not where you want to be, um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens after that. Yeah, and we obviously go to Wolves next weekend. Do I have the new manager bounce, which is always fun to deal with? Um, yeah. We'll see if we'll see if they do anything with that. Um, will Costa be available for that game? 
Um, no, I don't think so because that would be a three match ban, won't it, for the headbutt? I can't. I don't. I don't know. Oh, is a headbutt? Was it? So yeah, if that's for a violent play, then yeah, three three games yeah. normally. Um, yeah, it, it's it's a very interesting time. We'll we'll see what happens. The it's um, and I was just even looking forward there into the Christmas period and the fixtures that we've got. You know, fixtures thick and fast, and we've got Newcastle at the Emirates and. On uh, on the third of January, after we'll have already played Brighton away, which isn't going to be an easy game based on how they're playing at the moment, um, and we'll also have West Ham at home. Uh, we've always done pretty well against West Ham at home, so I, I, hopefully that continues. That'll be a nice way to get back into into things and enjoy Christmas. So um, yeah, should we? Flick over from fixtures and results and tap on the fantasy teams and see what's happening there. Let's get it over with um, nice and quick <laughs> because, yeah, that I've made some errors again today, which has put me even further behind you, I think. Really? Okay, so let's have a look. I haven't... Um, obviously, they're still yet to finish tabulating everything. There are still players that may have been people's benches that need to come in. Um, yeah, you have Zinchenko. To be fair, Zinchenko on your bench... You, there was no indication that he was going to play today, so no. that's you know that's fair enough. Andreas, like it's Fulham. I, I didn't realise that Mitrovic wasn't going to be playing. So without him, uh, Andreas Pereira does become more important. But ahead of the players that you played in midfield, I would have done the same um, and did do the same with Foden. So. Uh, I wouldn't be too harsh on yourself. I think the fact that you hadn't identified what we've talked about with Frank Lampard and Everton and you kept an Everton defender when I sold mine, um, that maybe you should probably, you know, take a look at yourself in the mirror for. Um, <laughs> right, I, I had Tarkovsky in there too because of his cost, um, but I've still got money in the bank because there aren't as many premium players in my team as, as there has been over the last seasons. So, yeah, I ditched him this week and it worked. Skamaka, yeah, again, maybe with that one, I'm surprised that based on form and what West Ham aren't doing that you kept Skamaka. Who, who did you bring in, you? Because I must admit, I haven't actually looked at your team in a couple of weeks. So I had um, I had Tony. Um, so I needed to change him and take him out. And I was thinking about... So my thought process first was pick an English striker because somebody's going to... Yeah. Try somebody's going to make a name for themselves this weekend and try and get on the plane. So I was thinking, do you James go Wilson? Wilson? Do you go Calvert Lewin? Um, do you go? I don't know. Andy Carroll is he playing somewhere still? Um, I, don't know, I, I didn't know. Doing. I was trying to think what striker's going to do it. And after all that thought process, I looked down the list and I thought Skamaka. I like him. And um, <laughs> I didn't think about West Ham. I didn't think about the fact they played during the week. I just thought. Skamaka, I like him. Let's get him in. And um, I think he got dragged off at half-time. Oh, did he? Let's have a look. That's how good he was. Yep, 45 minutes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, some a big error there. Um, you live and you learn. Yeah. And you got unlucky with Botman, who like, it looks like Newcastle conceded late on. But thankfully, Kieran Trippier had been taken off by then, so that's good. 
Um, that, that means he got a clean sheet for me. Harvey Barnes was a smart move to have in there. Um, and Pep screwed over many of pre- uh, fantasy manager this week with Foden. I, I don't understand why Foden has been rotated out of the Premier League team when he was on such a good run. It really baffles me, some of the stuff that Pep does. He drives me nuts. Um, the guy's a dick. So, uh, yeah, you are 772 points. I've still got 11, 12 points to come on. So, yeah, I'm about 70-odd points ahead of you at this time. Uh, you're down in 10th. I will bounce back up to third. Um, yeah. You know what it is? It's, it's Pep. Pep's got uh, an FBL team, um, and he wants to win that as well. I think that's, yeah. that's what he's doing. So he's just, <laughs> you know, he gives you... You think, oh, Foden's doing really well, Grealish is struggling, then he just throws a Grealish in now and again just to <laughs> fuck with everybody um, so he can get his points. He's just competitive, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's a pain. Um, elsewhere, big moves in our league. John High's jumped up a fair bit. Um, yeah, decent score from him this weekend. Um, although he did still pick Rashford. Not the smartest move. Um even a couple of wild cards I've noticed being played in our uh, league this weekend. So I'm kind of like, it's almost pointless now, but uh, welcome to the party. Oh, Ryan Darville leaving William Saliba on the bench and putting Neko Williams in ahead of that. Not a smart move, little dance. Not a smart move. That that move is going to cost you and that will mean I leapfrog you. Um, yeah, I think with this last weekend it may even be worth spending some points when it comes to transfers uh, and chase chase the performing players um Cancelo getting his red card I, I thought he was a shoe in for three bonus points still even though he got sent off um but no the FPL didn't agree uh, thankfully I guess I for the listeners out there I'd sent Chris uh, a voice note while I was watching the Man City game and going through the whole anger that I had towards Pep that Haaland and Foden were on the bench. And then Haaland scored a goal, which was then ruled out for offside. But I was saying at the time, I will always happily take the hit on fantasy if it means that Arsenal have benefited somehow. Uh, So if Haaland hadn't scored, I'd have been okay with it because we would have uh, been four points clear of them. But uh, he did get the opportunity to get on the score sheet late on, so I did get those captain points. Mitrovic, thankfully, didn't play. And, yeah, Madison was the one for me who I was kind of like, I'm in an R-ring. I knew Mount wouldn't do anything against us today, so he was on my bench. Um, and he's gone off the boil a little bit the last couple of weeks because of the whole Chelsea not being very good. Um, so, yeah, that kind of wraps everything up. So my advice is with one week left, it may be worth spending some points. You could easily spend uh, 8, 12 points on transfers this weekend and make it back if you get the right players. Uh, so pick wisely, spend carefully, and then you can spend a month making as many different teams as you want. And who knows what's going to happen when we come back because, yeah, there's two-thirds of the season left to play. And this huge gap where players have either been at the World Cup or they haven't. We have no idea who's going to be in form and who isn't in a month and a half's time. So good luck, everybody, on that one. Exciting, exciting times ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm more excited about sort of restarting um, and going again after the. I, I need this break. 
I feel like <laughs> I need to clear my head and uh, and go again. Yeah. Okay. Do you think you can pull it back? No, I think I'm. I think I'm the Frank Lampard of FPL. I think <laughs> I think I'm in a bit of a false position already. <laughs> I think I'll be going down. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, in the the ones above me, it's frustrating. Michael Hinton still kind of manages to score very similar to me, like maybe five points more, maybe five points less. So it's hard to close that gap unless I have an absolutely amazing uh, bench boost or triple captain when it comes to using those. Um, it's it's going to be tough for me to close down on top spot. But... Um, We'll, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Do share us with your friends if you think that they'd enjoy some of what we talk about. Um, that would be really good of you. You can interact with us as well on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. All of our uh, handles you can find in the show notes. Uh, so it will take you straight to our pages. Uh, again, if you want us to talk about something, especially as we go into the World Cup, if you want some topics covered, uh, if you want to know our thoughts on something uh, related to Arsenal, or maybe football, maybe the World Cup, while and, uh, while and as that's happening, do just reach out, drop us a DM, comment on any of our posts, anything like that. We'll see it and uh, and we can talk about it and shout you out. Um, other than that, I think we're going to wrap up there. Chris, did you want to lead us out? Yeah. Um... Let's, let's wrap it up there. I think we've got uh, a midweek game in the EFL Cup or League Cup, whatever it's called. Carling Cup, Worthington Cup, Milk Cup, Coca-Cola Coca-Cola Cup. Cup. We've got one of those games, um, which I'm sure will be a really rotated side, but hopefully we'll see um, Eddie get a goal and maybe Marquinhos we, and, and that play again. Do we want to win that game? No. Well, yeah, we want to win every game, but I, I couldn't care less about the result of that one. Um, well, I... I'm just thinking just because we don't have the thickest squad would just kind of conceding that competition early on. We've still got the yeah. FA, Cup, FA Cup to do in January, February. So with that, Europa and, you know, hopefully we'll talk about it in another pod as we get closer to January about possible additions. But there's a part of me that I don't, I, don't, I would never want us to lose but it might not be a bad thing if we didn't progress in this competition. Yeah, I, I would like to see a fully rotated squad. Yes, yeah, um, none of this half in, half out stuff that we've done in Europa. Yeah. Like, yeah, really, I don't, I, I don't want to see a squad number. Either. Yeah, I don't want to see a squad number below 14. Um, who's that's, Eddie, that's Eddie and up. Right, um, okay. Yeah, Rob Holden. I mean, uh, yeah, so uh, Saliba would obviously fall into that. No, what's he at? Is he six? No, that's Gabriel. What's Saliba got? Is he 12? 12. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I know, we, I know what you mean. Um, yeah, let's let's keep it with the kids. Um, Wanieri, get him in. Um, yeah, Marquinhos and Vieira and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, fingers crossed. So hopefully Love a win it. there or a, or a loss there. Either way, just play some football there. <laughs> and then um, we'll we'll speak to you again after the final game of the first part of the season. It's a bit like a Netflix series, isn't it? You get one part of the season, and then you you've got a big break until you get the second part. Indeed. Well, yeah, lovely. All right. Well, thanks again for tuning in, guys and girls, and uh, we'll speak to you again real soon. Bye bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.